get ourselves started. We are uh, spending a little special series on Wednesday nights right now talking about uh, the things that we never want to talk about. But uh, it's kind of the way it works is that uh, to be prepared for uh, end of life decisions and things like that requires not only forethought but preparation in terms of uh, how to handle those things and what are the right decisions when it comes to those kinds of things. Last last week we talked a lot about uh, just the retirement age uh, time and what that ought to look like to the Christian, how that ought to stand different from uh, the rest of the world. Uh, I wanted to spend our time this, this, this time kind of talking about then uh, illness, disease, th- those kinds of things where uh, you know, I think all of us would uh, prefer and wish that we're all going to make it to, you know, 100 and then, you know, in the calm, quiet rest of sleep, you know, go on home. Uh, but unfortunately, cancer, diseases, syndromes, all those kinds of things happen. Um, and that makes things difficult. So one of the first things I'm going to talk about is just just kind of putting yourself in the shoes of receiving that kind of diagnosis, you know, that, you know, okay, find out I have cancer or some other uh, problem, some other long-term issue that's not going to be solved kind of thing, you know, the uncurable kind of uh, thing that you're going to deal with the rest of your life and into your final days and all of that. Let's start just kind of talking about when you think in terms of the scriptures, what would be some uh, biblical attitudes, biblical solutions, biblical outlooks for approaching basically the moment you receive that bad news and then living through dealing with that condition? I think it's important to put in perspective uh, all everything as Christian looking at it from Christian, our view of it is going to be different, should be, than anybody else's because we're not. We're, this is we're passing through, right. so we really believe that, and we know this is temp, this is temporary, very temporary in the scheme of eternity. Okay. So, so at some point we've got to leave here and go there, go home. Okay. That's where I look at. That's where my dad always talked about going home. Well, that's right. That's that's the that's if we that's I think that's the attitude the scriptures teach us that we ought to have. Right. This isn't a promise. Okay. That's beyond you. So, but I think we get caught up and uh-huh. we want to hang on to this. this yeah. And we, let's just be honest. The, the bulletin is full of people pray pray for me because I'm sick or pray for this person. There's not a lot of this person spiritually weak. If they die, they're going to lose their soul. Mm-hmm. We need to be praying for them. I, I don't know that that's. Maybe maybe that's we don't have the proper attitude about when we get that news. I mean, Paul kind of said, "I'm ready, Lord. If you let me go, I'll be glad to go." Right. You know, I'm, I'm ready. I'm ready. Yep. I've run the race. Let me go. Yeah. So we not very many of us have that attitude that, that, that we're, we feel like maybe we feel that we're ready. Mm-hmm. So I think I think the scriptures teach us we should be ready okay. to go. We should feel that we can, and that this world is not our home. Okay. And we want to hold on to it, I think, sometimes to the point where we want medical to do anything they can to give me every little breath, whether I'm useful to anybody, whether I'm useful to the Lord, or anything else. We give me that last breath. Okay. I, I don't know that's the one. I hope I don't have that after. Okay. That's, that's good. 
Uh, yeah, one thing to to keep in mind uh, in in just life in general is is the idea of we're, we're all terminal already. You know, you you don't need an official diagnosis for that. I can give it to you right now. We ain't getting out of here alive. <laughs> you know, this is a reality that that exists. As much as we like to. You know, put the curtain over that and go. Okay, that's not going to happen. That that is going to happen. And you think about in terms of that angle, how many different passages and places that you can think of uh, talk about how you perceive life like that. Does does God say, you know, life lasts a really really long time? Yeah, one is a vapor, right? You have Ecclesiastes always speaking in terms of. Uh, recognizing the brevity of, of life. Uh, Casey recently did a lesson out of James. What did James get at in terms of how you should per- perceive your life? What does he say about tomorrow? Yeah, you're, you're, you're pretty foolish if you're just saying, well, tomorrow is going to be X, Y, and Z. You don't know that. You know, I'm going to do all these things. I'm going to accomplish all these plans. I'm going to do one, two, three, and all that. And, and James is saying that's not the way life operates. That's that's not the way to look at things. Uh, we must look at life in terms of what you have right now, and God has not promised you tomorrow. And I think that is part of the the difficulty that we have when it comes to. Uh, diseases and diagnoses and conditions and things like that uh, is we just want to assume like I would like to assume that I've got a good 40 some more years but that's not an assumption that's not promise that's not a guarantee that's not that's not certain and so that I think often colors the way we look at things as if we have a right to a certain amount of time in life. You know, we should all get this large swath of time given to us, and anything that cuts that short uh, is not right or fair. But the scriptures never talk that way. Think about God's always saying, you don't know that you have tomorrow. You don't understand that these things can be happening in and out, and you have no idea how that's going to play out, Debbie. That's, that's right. And that's one of the messages we learned when we studied through Job, right? We, we, we looked at Job and saw, you know, the amazing uh, perspective of life that Job reveals of, well, you know, here I am in all this sickness and all this loss and all this devastation. And that may be the way it's going to be, but OK, I'm going to still worship God and serve God. Uh, and we, we talked about uh, in one perspective what Job is going through is for his own good. It is a testing of him. It is for his refining that, that is going to propel his faith. And uh, it is important to be able to look at it in, in, in that kind of lens as, as well. And we kind of have an interesting push right now in our society. Uh, you might have noticed it when it comes to 
uh, various diseases and syndromes is is this and I and I'm not capping on it at all. I'm not not trying to be negative or denigrate it. But there is this idea of you are going to beat this. Have you kind of noticed that? You know, you're you're going to beat this disease. It's not going to to beat me. And I think that's interesting, just because it really does reflect a, a here and now kind of life, as if there is nothing else on the other side. Um, I looked, thought about it, and I said. It, the, the disease doesn't win if you die. You win. Right? It's, the disease isn't winning. That, that we're going home. That, that's not a loss. That, that's why you're the, you see the Apostle Paul talk like that. Of for me to live as Christ, to die as gain, Philippians 1. He, he never perceives death as losing. You know, that I failed that something you know came into my life and took my life away. He's never looking at it like that. That he got shortchanged. That's what makes him so fascinating. Is because you, you see all of his opponents trying to wreck him, and any way they try to do something to him, you never see him you know demoralized and dejected and throwing his hands up and giving up. You know. Uh, Paul and Silas are put in prison, and what does he do? You know, he gets a prophet coming along as he hears Agabus. What's going to happen to you if you go to Jerusalem? You know, and Paul goes, "Well, I guess I had to really change plans. I'm really nervous about that. Hey, whatever. You know, he's in Rome. If they kill me, all right. <laughs> you know, he's, he's constantly talking like that of." If I'm allowed to go on, great. And if this is the end, okay, great. That, that's the way it's going to be. That is, the, I think, the Christian perspective of looking at things. Of you know, if if it's going to be going down to cancer or whatever disease or illness or whatever it is, okay. You know, but we're going to go one way or another. And I guarantee you, nobody dies on their own terms because otherwise you wouldn't die. Right, you just keep going. You don't die on your own terms. You know, we like, oh, I'm going to go and you figure how how you're going to do that exactly. You're not going to do that, April. Let's think about in terms of what are some of the temptations, some of the dangers of a response that we might be tempted to have uh, upon hearing that kind of news. Let's say you know you just you just got hit hard coming out of the doctor's office with here's here's what it's going to be you know and here's your window here's your time. What are some of the temptations that we could fall into as we now proceed with life after that life-changing event? Well, a lot of people, it's not fair, I want to do all of the flesh 
fleshly things that okay. I didn't get to do, and you know, all of those things that pull us further from the Lord, more into the world, okay. seeing the end coming. We don't focus on it. I, I wanted to do this. I want to do this with my kids. I want to do that, yeah. and then we get pulled down that. Good. So the same danger as retirement. Immediately take, okay, well now I've got to put God on the back burner and get all I can out of this life. Uh, so that's a, a, a certain danger. Um, our relative, my mother, um, she was given a very devastating uh, diagnosis, and she got very mad at God. Okay. I think that's an easy one, yeah. right? She didn't want to hear about it. That's an easy one. So how how can we avoid that? She what she what, what Debbie said was uh, with her mother. She got really mad at God, and I think we've seen that response in, in others. So how do we deal with that? How can we combat that? How can we make sure we don't fall into that? Because that is the fairly natural reaction that you see a lot of people walk into. How can we make sure that that's not what what uh, what we're going to do, Kim? I think it's important think about in the book of Job that's some of the tracking that Job has to work through in some spots doesn't he I mean there are times where he's like God's got this wrong and he needs to get on down here and we need to have a discussion about this so we can get this all worked out so you see some of that even in Job and, and he has to be corrected by Elihu and God in regards to you know, your thinking about what your life ought to be is an improper perspective. So I think that is useful. Some introspection at that moment. Why would I be angry at God? What is it that I really am putting my finger on? Is it because I'm assuming I ought to have more life than, I'm, than I've had? Am I uh, thinking, well, I don't deserve to go have my death happen this way. I thought I was going to die like this. Or, you know, what is it? Because most frequently, is it's there's some sort of expectation that's not being realized. And so you turn that on God and go, well, I was supposed to have something more than what you've allowed me to have. Yeah. And I think that, that, that would have to come from somebody who's not a believer. It's that somehow God owes them something. Yeah. He isn't giving it. But as Christians, we would have surely understand that God has taken care of them. We don't have to be afraid of a diagnosis of anything that's going to take our life because he's taking care of what happens after that. He solved our problem already when, when he made when, when he took when he made it possible for us to get out of this life. Yeah. Uh, without that, so so he's done what what 
even more than what we should have expected right. but for us to think that he owes us not being sick or not right. you know I mean that, that's that's ludicrous for the Christian to have that Yes. Especially in light of what he has done for us that we don't deserve. Right. Remember some of those ideas that right that you said, uh, what we talked about in the book of Job a few times. Uh, do, do any of us deserve to be right here at the spot in life where we're at right now? You know, this is, the you know, I should have. We've all been given more years, you know, however old you are, that's more years than you should have ever had. You know, to always have that perspective, you know, to even 10 years is 10 more than anyone's deserved. And whatever we get is a blessing of God. But none of it is just, well, that's the way it's supposed to be. Everybody's supposed to go to 86 or whatever it is. That's, that's not true. That's not even the median age of death in our country as it is anyway. But we have this idea that it should be this real high, high... You know, trajectory numbers, what it should be, Steve. Okay. Phil? Yes. Um, is it wrong to make a bucket list? Let's say you have stage four cancer. Okay. I mean, is that wrong to make your own bucket list? Depends on what you mean by that. Are there certain things I might want to do? That might. That's fine. But are you going to do that at the expense of your worship and service to God? That's the danger, because that's what people will often do is say, well, I only have so much time left, and so I'm going to spend it in the physical world and spend it in, the, in doing these physical things rather than making spiritual preparations. Remember that we looked at last week with the rich fool. The, 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 the foolishness was you didn't prepare yourself for the future. And when you're given actually the opportunity to know that this is your window you really ought to take advantage of the window. You know, any of us can be dead by tomorrow and have not had no idea that was happening. But sometimes you're given this window of you have this in your life and that means you only have this long. It seems like it might not be the best idea to spend that in your own selfish desires as you know that you have only so much before you're going to see God. Casey? And I think that's an important perspective. What April said was looking at it not in terms of what I'm losing, but what can I do so that God's glorified with what I have? 
there are a lot of passages that talk like that if you if you think about that some of my favorite ones john 9 the first three verses remember you have uh, the disciples and jesus and the disciples see this this blind man who sinned his parents or him and god's answer was so that god's glory could be displayed this this is in his life and God's going to be displayed in his glory through this. Another one of my favorites, if you remember uh, John 21 uh, in verse 19 and talking about Peter and describing what's going to happen to Peter and John's narrative is that Jesus said this to show what kind of death and the phrase is not to show what kind of death he would die, which would be probably how we would have wrote that. To show what kind of death he was to glorify God. That is a critical perspective. How I die even is part of the glorification of God process. How Peter would glorify God in the way he would die. And if what we're told historically is accurate, which there's probably no reason to doubt it, you know, that's what he does. <laughs> that's exactly what he does. His death is renowned uh, in being crucified upside down. And, and, and that whole uh, willingness to, to die for the cause of Christ. Uh, that is, I think, a very important lens to knowing when we are coming to the end of life or we have a disease or something like that. How we respond to that can be a very big witness to the world about our faith in Christ. How we react and respond to that news. And if we look like we're fully confident in God and we're ready to be with Him and this is alright, that speaks volumes to acting like the rest of the world would act uh, under, under that kind of news. That doesn't mean that's an easy thing to do, but it is in the scriptures what the Christian response looks like. Is like, okay, now I'll glorify God in this circumstance. Which, how is that any different than any of our seasons and circumstances in life? We've talked about whatever you're given, you glorify God in that position, whether you're rich or poor, or you're you're wealthy or homeless or whatever it is. How am I going to glorify God with the cards I have? Well, now you've just been given a whole new deck of cards. What are you going to do now with that information? Are you going to glorify God in that? Or will it be a time of complaining, a time of resentment, a time of hatred of God? Yeah. I'll give you a good example of that. I think it goes to Phil's question about what it was about probably spent 30 years ago now, some people who knew the family about our age at the time. She was diagnosed with breast cancer then severely. It was given a matter of months to live at that time. And the first thing that crossed her mind was all the people that she had come across in her four, almost four years that she had never told about. She spent her final months making a list of everybody she went to high school with, everybody she had lived around, everybody she went to college with, and, and contacted all of those people to let the, to first she said to apologize for not speaking to you about the Lord and letting you know that what he's done for you. Yeah. That's how she spent her last months of her life. That's great. She had little kids. She still, that's what was important. Good. And there again is looking at it as more like an opportunity to be taken advantage of. I now know I have this window of time. What am I going to do with it? Because it helps us remind us life's a vapor. 
you don't have tomorrow. And as we all like to have the accounting term of going concern, going concern in accounting means it will always go on and on and on and never stop. But that's not the truth to any of us. It's going to stop at some point. And so to, to be aware of that and to live in that light, that's great, a great example of that. Um, the Apostle Paul worded it this way in 2 Corinthians 1 verse 9. He says there, we felt we had received the sentence of death. You can know, imagine in Paul's life how often that happened. <laughs> regularly seems to be receiving the sentence of death in doom. 2 Corinthians 1 9. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. What a perspective. We thought we were doomed. And the reason why we were doomed was because God was helping us remember to depend upon not ourselves, but that even if we're done, God will raise the dead. That's great. <laughs> that's a great perspective right there. Is this is, That's fine. However it plays out, however I go, God's going to raise the dead. Well, good news, you don't get to get this body back. It's all right. We're going on. Glorious bodies lie ahead. You know, so it's even that you have the Apostle Paul expressing uh, that that kind of hope. How about we, we would use First Corinthians four thirteen when it comes even to uh, a diagnosis and things like like that? Remember, First Corinthians four thirteen is talking about those who died in Christ and not grieving as those who have no hope. It's an interesting phrase to think about life of not grieving like others who don't have hope. There's a different perspective about how we're going to look at end of life. There's not a reason to grieve like those who look at life and that's it. It's, it's done for them. They, they're, they're cashing in and they don't have eternity with God that flies ahead. And here's Paul saying, well, we don't grieve like that. We don't grieve about others that way. And if we're taught not to grieve about other Christians that way, how true of our own selves about our own mortality. Why would I grieve of my own life if I'm not supposed to grieve about you when you die in that same way? Like there's no hope. That's well, the same thing for my own life, Jim. That power is made perfect in that weakness. Yeah, exactly. These things are often given to us as a way to draw us closer to God. These things that we've studied a lot in in many of these books over the past few years from Job and Ruth and all that, uh, 2 Corinthians that we've studied as well, all of them highlighting this idea uh, that God is using these things to draw us closer to him, as to use it as that opportunity. And yet it can be that kind of diagnosis and that kind of time frame that can really challenge our faith, really cause us to complain of, about the situation. You turn from God. Uh, I've, I've seen that in respected Christians, uh, people that I respected, and I was absolutely blown away. When they were blindsided by a, by a diagnosis, and and you know, I grasped the blind side. That's that's brutal, and it's totally, you know, didn't know that was coming from anywhere. And you thought life was all good, and now you've got one year, two years, and that's it. Um, but I've seen some shocking responses to that information given to somebody who was a believer in the Lord, and boy, yeah, it's. Uh, that's a scary thing to end your life on is that kind of that kind of reaction It's certainly not what you see um, 
the people of God in the New Testament uh, describing. Again, the Apostle Paul, 2 Corinthians 5, verse 8, he'd rather be away from the body and where? Home where? With the Lord. <laughs> I'd rather be away from the body and home with the Lord. But, but that change is a real change of life perspective to live that way, though, isn't it? It's pretty easy to live your life that I would rather be away from the Lord and home on the earth, right? That's often how we live life is I'm doing everything I can to avoid this reality that lies ahead so that I can be here as long as possible. And I've heard Christians utter that. And I'm just, my head always kind of has spun around it. I should not have this overwhelming need to be here as long as possible because I'm trying to resist what is the natural outcome of my life. Um, We have to really, really be careful that we really think about, am I living my life in a way that reflects my great desire is to go home and be with God or am I showing that really my greatest desire is to be here as long as possible? And that will often color what you do with bad news when it comes. As I've been living my life and, hey, I'm going home to be with God and so that's all right. Or, uh-oh, <laughs> I, I better do all the more I can right here on this earth because that's what my, my whole life has, has been all about. Um, turn over to John 11 real quick and just, just let, I want those words to kind of resonate with you for a minute. John eleven twenty five. You know this. <laughs> it's probably read at every funeral. And yet it's helpful to have it before you get to that moment. John eleven twenty five. Here well let's start in twenty four. Uh, Martha said to Jesus, I know that, speaking of Lazarus, he will rise in the resurrection the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever believes in me, though he die, yet shall he live. That's got to be the perspective is when your body goes down, you're not done. That's not it. It's not all over. And then and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? You're not done. Uh, the body's just a shell. It's just the outer housing <laughs> that has to be planted in the ground for your future resurrection to come, didn't it? Just be contrary. Be contr- <laughs> go ahead and be contrary. Yeah, I think that's an important question. Uh, she asked, how aggressive should we be when it comes to doctors? I would just, I would go ahead and be more aggressive and say, you know, treatments, end of life kinds of decisions, th- things like that. How aggressive ought we be with those kinds of things? What do you guys think about that? I think that's one of the big questions that really is, is the crossroads for a Christian, isn't it? Right. No, they don't at all. But of course, that's not because they have some hereafter hope, but because they believe they can heal themselves and that all doctors are quacks. They have a very different point of view. It's not a biblical point of view. Um, So what do you think? 
when it comes to those kinds of decisions? Where what's the what's the thin line that we probably should walk down when it comes to those kinds of decisions? When it comes to life and choosing what procedures and uh, you know choices to make for for life? Jen? because you've got these little souls that you're still responsible for. Yeah. If you're, you know, my grandparents that were 85 years old, then, you know, and they're given, you know, several of them were given that, you know, nannies do you need a pacemaker? And she, I'm, I'm 89 years old. I don't, because I don't need to keep going here. I've got other places to be, you know, yeah. in that perspective. So I think that your perspective is what determines that. Yeah, I think that's one good, good thing that has to be answered is, well, why would you choose one way or another? What's the motivation behind it? What's the factors that surround it? I think that's good, Casey. Yeah, I think along with uh, with those thoughts is when he was born here, Paul, Paul's saying you know, he's in jail about to be put to death, and he's like, well, if I live, then that means more fruitful labor for me. So that's yeah. a good thing, looking at that, but he says it's way better for me to depart to be with the Lord. Yeah. So uh, I think it's good to, to fight to live, in order to do more for God, that's your perspective on your living. Good. I think that's a good perspective as well. Other thoughts? I'll say this is one you need to have before you get to that question, an answer in your head of what you're going to do about that. <laughs> and your family needs to know your answer about what you're going to do about that as well. Uh, because those are emotional times, you know, and those are very difficult emotional questions that. If you've got to start thinking about what is the Christian response at that moment, that will be extraordinarily challenging. You need to have laid out ahead of time, here's my expectation of what I want to do if it comes to these kinds of uh, situations. Yeah. And I think that's why we can't, there is no, there is no one thing, this yep. is the answer, because uh, as, as others have said, it's, it's what's in your heart. Why are you doing that? Yep. Why do you want one more breath? Why, why do you go to the doctor so he'll add, you can be, hopefully add more time? To, why are you really doing that? Now, a lot of people say, well, because I've got to serve the Lord. But the Lord knows whether that's the truth or not. And the fact is, the Lord's work's going to get done. But I, I, nobody, nobody's, you know, the Lord isn't depending upon, you know, his will isn't depending upon just me. Yep. If I fall, somebody's going to pick it up. Right. You know, and uh, so, so, I mean, that's his plan. Yep. And so that nobody is indispensable. So that's why we wonder. I've seen, you know, Mike was preaching down Harding Street when they finally got elders, and it wasn't a few months later that Norm died in his front yard mowing the grass, you know. You know, and set a big blow to the church. But, you know, how could that happen? Well, the Lord's work's going to go on. Somebody else is going to pick it up. It isn't, it's not dependent upon that. But we should, but, but our, what I'm trying to say is our goal here. To go into the doctor, God knows our heart why we're doing it. Yeah. If it is because we want to stay here and not come to Him, He knows that. We're not fooling Him. We might be fooling others, but He knows that. So we need to be examining and preparing our hearts so that we, we're here, we want to be here for the right reason and hopefully have the right attitude. And that's not going to be the case that I'm ready to go home. Yeah. That's really what I want. Okay. I mean, you know, uh, Paul didn't go out and seek medical. 
you know, I mean, we, we can have a desire to stay, but an understanding that's not always the way it's going to be to make the best of the time we have. It. I think that's the biggest failure that we have. Most of us are not being included in not serving, filling every minute that we can with service to the Lord, but more of it serving ourselves, and that's not why we're here. Okay, good. So the motivation, again, really can, can dictate to that. George? Maybe a little bit off topic, but I think it's the way that we're heading. You hear more about what's called a euthanasia, mm-hmm. where you know you're you're on your deathbed and there's no hope. Physically, there comes a decision of do I want to go through six months of incredible pain, yeah. or if it's if it's legal. Yeah, and that does fall along the same lines. I would recategorize that a little bit, though. Uh, the euthanasia and assisted suicides have been more, I have cancer and I don't want to go through the pain of chemotherapy and the years that lie ahead, and so I want to end my life now. It's nothing as terminal like the short you were giving of like six months. Well, everybody that has hospice come in and, you know, let's do ease of life and, and you know, things that can make the pain not be as bad. That's that's not assisting in, in death. But, but those are more of, I don't want to deal with the, with the disease of my life and what that's going to, how it's going to debilitate me. So I'm cutting my life off early. That's your own self-inflicted murder uh, is, is what you're doing there. That's different than... You've got no way out for the next few months. You know, again, that's like the hospice thing. You're not going to make it. The doctors have nothing for you. All we can do is, you know, the unfortunate phrase, make you comfortable. You know, well, you're you're not speeding up or slowing down a process. That's just the process. That's that's the way it's it's going to go for you. Um, so it seems to me in trying to address, and I think that's one of the big questions that comes along when it's, you know, is it right for a Christian to do historic, I mean historic, heroic uh, measures or, or not? Uh, a lot of that has to, has to, to boil down to uh, if you, the natural course of your life is, is, is that it's going to end, I don't see that you have to, are required, you know, to well, go ahead and put me in the medically induced coma and try to revive me over the next whatever years and somehow prolong my life. I don't see the, the need for that. And one of the ways I think we can kind of look at it that way is it's only been of the last few decades that you could even do something like that. You just died when those kinds of things happen. For you to say, I don't want to go through these heroic measures and just want to allow the course of my life to take place, you know, that's allowing the course of your life to take place. But that's entirely different than saying, I am willfully going to have somebody make my life be cut short. And they're going to come in and, you know, to do it in a joking way, put a pillow over my head and make me die or, you know, inject some kind of thing into my IV so that I die. 
that's a whole different ball of wax than saying, I'm just going to let the natural course of life take place and I choose not to get cancer treatment or I choose not to get a kidney replaced or I choose not to have some organ surgery thing. I'm just going to let what happens happens. I don't see how that can be be frowned upon. That's, that's <laughs> except for technology, the way life has always been until uh, really of, of late. Well, that's why those discussions have to happen a whole lot earlier. And, and that's where having family that's a Christian makes a very big difference when it comes to those kinds of things. I remember with my great-grandmother, those decisions had to be made. But her being a Christian and the family being all Christians, this is, the choice was very simple. We're just going to let her be comfortable and let what happened happen. We're not going to try to do these things that are going to try to give her six more months. Why? She was 90 years old. What's the point? You're, you're there. It's, it's not like you're 20 and this can, you know, now you can go on living this great life if you would just do this very simple thing. It's not that at all. You, you were at the end no matter what you did. So there's a difference between taking your life and your life being taken because that's the way it's going to happen anyway. That's a very important line to, to draw between the two. You were going to die anyway over these next few months versus I'm going to end it when prematurely. Uh, that's that's what's, what's sad. Um, that's I was on vacation a little bit, but there was a whole thing in England about that, about that boy, you know, that was parents wanted the boy to have treatment and the government said no that's crazy <laughs> i mean uh that, that's that's cutting life short you know that yeah that that's uh, unfortunate when you when you're making a decision to to cut life life short and say well we're refusing to do anything that that's a whole different thing to consider we need to be careful about those those kinds of things it's one thing to say, well, this individual chooses to just allow what's going to happen to them to happen to you. When you're an adult, you have the ability to do that all you want to. But it's a very different thing when you come in and weigh in and say, their life is going to be cut short by my decision. Uh, that's, and that's, yes, abortion sits right on top of that, doesn't it? That's right. You're you're making a, a willful choice that they don't have. That's exactly right. And that's a problem. Uh, you don't have that right. Uh, so that, that's certainly part of it. My uncle Mark, uh, he had kidney failure very early on. Had a, a kidney replacement. His body rejected that kidney. Had another one. And the reason why he had another one was because his kids were little, and he was just trying. You know, his prayer was just let me live long enough to get him out of the house, just to be able to you know, support the family, get them out of the house and be adults. And I remember him saying back when he was, uh, had turned 40 years old, you know, I would never go through that again. It was so horrible. It's so painful to have a, a kidney transplant and all that had gone through that. Uh, and let's see, dad's turning, just turned 70. So Mark is what, 68 now? 
unbelievable that God has given him this huge amount of life. That's the hazard of, let's say, if he was 40 and said, well, I'll just go and cut my life short because I don't want the pain. Well, you don't know how long you have. You know, how many times have doctors been wrong about how much long, longer you have? That's what's wrong with you saying, well, I'm going to cut it short. Let it take its course? Okay. Cut it short on your own? No, you don't have that, that right. God possesses that, that right for you. Debbie? I just wanted to say, uh, you know, you can always do a living well. You're not sure what people are going to do for you. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Yep. Um, April and I have living wills that say that, and we've made verbal agreements to each other that we will pull each other's cords and uh, not, 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 not do. Uh, I just tell her not too early, okay? <laughs> not tomorrow. Not yet. <laughs> uh, but you do have to have those discussions of an awareness of, yeah, I'm. I'm just looking forward to going home and being with God. I don't, I don't need anything ridiculous. If it's of normal means, great. But, you know, my goodness, if you've got to, you know, go bionic on me, that's all right. You know, I'll, I'll see you in a few years in heaven. It'll be okay. You know, you have to really think through what's the reasoning behind why you're making certain decisions you're making here. And wrecked his life. <laughs> he messed it all up. He did. Yeah, he, he's an interesting figure in that when you read how good of a king Hezekiah was and then life is extended to him, he made some very big error uh, in, in his life that uh, God holds very accountable to the rest of the nation because of that decision. So, uh, yeah, there is some some caution. And again, that should also bring back that perspective of you, you know you have your window. You should really be aware of how you live in the window. Uh, that maybe being told this time frame you have shouldn't be such a negative, but more of an opportunity of now I can make sure that I'm really ready for God and not make foolish decisions that we easily uh, fall into and do, do those kinds of things to really be all the more aware of that. Um, I, I think that's that's big. I, I would all oh, go ahead, Mary. So you think that you're already, if you already got a tattoo that says do not resuscitate? <laughs> sure. <laughs> If that's what it takes. <laughs> I mean, as long as you put under it, I really mean it. <laughs> you know, if, if, if the cancer should come back again, these are real questions, you know. I they don't are. know what I would do, you know. Uh, because, you know, I've got my family, and maybe this would be God's way to bring them if I were to go up gracefully. You're right. And that's why I think the answer uh, Jenny and Dan gave is, is what's helpful is I don't think you can say there's a wrong answer unless the motive is I love this world so much. That's the wrong answer. 
But whichever I choose of, should I get treatment or not, is entirely up to you, as long as it is based in the grounding of, I'm not really concerned about my life here. If it works or doesn't work, oh well. You know, that, that, otherwise I don't see how you, we could weigh in on the Bible and go, well, the Bible says you must or must not, you know, have treatment one way or another. It's just simply, you know, is, are you ready to just deal with the consequences? And I don't want to go through the, what difficulties lie ahead for treatment, or I don't want to go through the difficulties that lie ahead with no treatment. I mean, how do you weigh that and go one's better than the other? Who knows which one's better? Both are going to be difficult, whichever way you look at it. Yeah, or which one could extend your life? I know people who got the chemotherapy and died because of the chemotherapy. You know, you can't just simply say, well, this would certainly extend your life. You can't prove that. Especially the older you get, that's taxing on the body. You're poisoning your body. You know, we're trying to just keep you barely enough alive while we kill everything else. You don't know that that's going to work out. So again, I don't see how anybody could weigh in on that besides your own heart to know, you know, well, the reason I'm doing this is because I am grasping at this world with both hands. Well, that is not where you want to be. That is not the basis of that decision, Kim. Yep. Yep. It absolutely is. Maybe seeking some of these treatments will help someone else know. Yep. Cancer treatments, they're starting to think about different options of sure. treating different patients. So maybe you would help somebody else's family at some other point. I didn't even think. But part of hearts, you have to know why. And that's why preparation ahead of time, because you're right, obviously sitting here, it's a lot easier. But that's also why you need to think about it because it's a lot easier to mentally prepare yourself for what do you think you would do now than waiting for the moment and now first crossing the bridge and trying to figure out. Uh, much, much harder to cross it if you haven't prepared yourself of, okay, I, I, I've learned about this. I know that I'm supposed to use this to glorify God. I know I'm supposed to uh, hold on to eternity and not this life. I know the perspective I need when I go into the doctor's office and I'm waiting for this news of what are you going to tell me you know to help deal with that that response so that that God is glorified in that
and, and I think God, he, he knows, he knew our struggle, obviously, before, what it would be before he created us. And, and he has helped us, if we pay attention. For most people, we're gonna, we're gonna, most people are gonna, hey, mo most people don't get a 40 year old diagnosis of either terminal. Yet most people in our society, especially now, and any time of this, the, the age change, is we grow older. And as we grow older, things in this world, as Ecclesiastes talks about, it's, di it's the luster of this world isn't the same. The things that, you know, and we have the aches and the pains and the girls are, that, that ought, to, ought to be a flashing light to us that you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here. This isn't your home, this isn't yeah. your home. Yeah. We ought to see that. Yeah. But too many times we don't. We're laying on our deathbed wanting one more grasp of air <coughs> yeah. in misery. And yeah. that's where I think I see the biggest problem. I saw that was the aim of the doctors with my father as he was dying, is to, to give him one more drug, to give him one more day. But, you know, I mean, he wasn't going to survive that. Yeah. He wasn't going to survive. And that's why one of my brothers had to get him into the doctors in the room and say, what's the goal here? Yeah. You know, and I told him, this isn't his home. So he's ready to leave this world. So what is your goal? Is he going to come home with us at some point? Well, no, he's not ever going back home. Well, then, then why are we doing all this? What are we doing? Exactly. But we don't, we fell sick. Because he was ready to go because of, of all of this. Right. Sure, his family loved him. Or he sure. miss him but he, he was miserable. And God had put that before him. I think is an aid to all of us sometimes to say, this isn't your home. Yeah. You don't want to stay here because how many people, you know, we said, well, I want to be 100 years old. Well, how many people are better off yeah. than they are at 80 than when they get to even the people that are 100? There's still even people that are 100, they say on the news, oh, oh, but they're in great health. Well, if you get up, they're not like they felt as good as they do with students. No. <laughs> you know, and, you know, when they get to be 112, it's yeah. going to be, you know, none of them are going to get out of here. That's so, right. Well, that's why. Uh, I think we, I think. It helps me. Is I'm not that I, not. I don't think of myself as that old, but but I see aging and I see the warning signs that it's not going to be like it was. This, you know, it's, it's it's going down. You're on the downhill side of it. And that's for a reason. God could have made us all live to be seventy. We just died our sleep sure. in twenty year old bodies if He wanted us to. But he, for some reason, He's decided to help us. I think understand this is not our own. That's right. Now, I remember, it uh, makes me think of the end of Ecclesiastes with all of those metaphors for the age of life where, uh, you know, what was it, something to the effect of the, the, the legs don't bend and the, you know, the windows are darkened and the, <laughs> all these metaphors of you can't see, you can't get up, you can't hear, you know. There's a reason behind all of that. Your body is aging as it ought to to prepare you that you have a final reality. That'd be the best burial ever. God buries you. Give me that one. <laughs> That's awesome. I'm, I'm out of time, but it, uh, so I mean, like, so out of time means it's seven fifty-six. Okay, 
But is there a burning, you know, the pew will catch fire? If I don't ask this question, question, I will take it. <laughs> I want to try to wrap it up here because uh, uh, it's just easy for this to go too long. And we do have to be merciful to the poor teachers who uh, are suffering with little ones through a very long time. Kim? If you guys have questions and things you want, I can start the next class with those questions and certainly do that. And if nobody brings anything up, then numbers it is. So I'll be prepared for both. But that exhausts the ideas of what I wanted to look at. I wanted to talk about retirement. I wanted to talk about when you get the diagnosis. And I wanted to talk about approaching end-of-life decisions. I feel like we have talked about all three of those things. So if there's a specific example or uh, an issue that you can think of, I am happy to address it. So if you want seven days to think about that and come back with it, uh, I will absolutely take it. But nobody burning their pew down right now? Okay. (laughs) So if you have anything, bring it next week and I'll be happy to start the class there and I'll just start the class by asking. Are there any other questions you had about it? And we'll take it. And then if there's time remaining after that, uh, then we'll pick back up where we've been in our number study and continue to look at some neat things. I've been dismayed about how many things I'm cutting out of my sermons and numbers. I have a lot to go retrack over there. There's some great stuff in there. Uh, It's been hitting the cutting room floor. The one that I just wrote for this Sunday night, I took out a whole page. That pained me. Uh, (laughs) I know a sermon on my papers have to be three pages to do about 35 minutes. I was at the end of page five. And I was like, what's going to give? Taking things out. That's why I'm so thankful for Wednesday night because I can just say, all right, that's coming in on Wednesday night. We'll talk about about that. All right, church. Yeah, and I, I don't necessarily know how to do that exactly, except kind of the, the coming in of the I love you and these are tough decisions. It is far more advantageous that we have that mentality as we approach it, you know, and then it won't be such a jarring, jarring thing. Uh, but that is a big concern because that's kind of what I, why I wanted to talk about it. If we have an individual who is really grasping to this life at all costs, that's a very important discussion we do need to have for their soul's sake and say, you know, well, tell me what your hope is. What are you living for? And try to invoke those kinds of discussions. I always think asking questions is the best way to do those kinds of things. Just ask loving questions to get them to bring out of them what it is. If I come in with a punching bag, you're probably just going to have a blowout and you don't need a blowout on somebody's deathbed. Uh, this is not a good plan at, at all. Ask ask some loving questions about, you know, well, how are you feeling? Why are you doing this? You know, what is your hope? Is there a way we can help you with that? And 
and really encourage uh, hopefully a different way of thinking after the discussion may, might be, be done. It's a very good question. Other questions bring next week. <laughs>